That's great, wasn't it? The sunset, sunrise really did look like that. It was phenomenal. And uh, I'm great to be back with you. I had flu last week, so I was proper man flu. It was. Oh, it was rough. Um, I, and I was doing well until someone arrived this morning. They said, oh, you look really unwell. I said, oh, great. I thought I was doing all right until you said that. Anyway, here we go. <laughs> And uh, I just want to thank you all for uh, standing with us in prayer. Many of you will know that I work three days a week for King's Arms. Two days a week I work for Catalyst. I lead Catalyst, which is their family of churches we're part of, over 600 churches around the world. And one of the privileges and the joys of being part of such a large family is that when there are um, disasters, things happen like the earthquake in Syria and Turkey, we have churches on the ground who can really assist and um, who can stand with people. And so uh, uh, many of you will, will, will have been there at the prayer meeting we held for our family of churches. Um, and we also were seeking to raise money. We've raised over £200,000 so far, which is amazing. And uh, within days, it's been delivered and we've got um, aid. We've got five teams on the ground four in Turkey, one in Syria, um, and it's just amazing to be so, I mean, there's this little slide here, I think, coming up, um, uh, Luke, if you can pop it up, um, just a slide showing you some of the, some of the images of uh, the relief aid already going in, medicine, food, water, which is just phenomenal, but it, the situation is just desperate, 46,000 people dead so far. Um, and uh, areas of Syria that are still completely unreachable. Um, so just keep praying. In fact, I'll take a moment to pray now, but just keep praying for the, the guys there. But the church, in, there's only a very small church in Turkey, but they are doing so well. I mean, many of them are sleeping in their cars. They're taking the aid there, sleeping in their cars. Um, it's freezing cold. They're doing so, so well. And it's just great as a family of churches to be able to stand with them. And also to be praying that out of this comes what the enemy plans for evil, God will turn for good. So in 1999, there was an earthquake in Yalova, which is in uh, eastern, uh, sorry, western Turkey, not near um, Istanbul. Um, devastating earthquake. Over 10,000 people died. As a result of that, we sent a team who planted a church, which has become an apostolic resource base. They've now planted more than 30 churches around the, around the Middle East out of that one church. And we've accessed now areas of Syria that we've never been able to get Christians into before. So let's just be praying that out of this, the kingdom of God will come, that people will encounter the gospel for the very first time who wouldn't otherwise. Obviously, it's desperately sad, but let's, should we just pray for a moment? Let's just lift our voices. Yeah, Father, we just thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we just thank you for, for your hand of mercy and comfort in a time of need. Thank you that we've got Christians who are on the ground who are able for, to help and facilitate. Thank you that we've been able to give generously to help them. And we just pray, Lord, out of this we'll plant. There'll be many churches planted. The gospel will come. Many will find salvation. And we pray immediately that needs will be met. Food will get to the right places. We pray that roads will be open and provision will arrive at the right places. We just ask it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 Thank you, guys. Well, we are continuing our series, The Treasure Principle. And uh, this week's title is a bold one, Solving Your Money Worries. Solving your money worries. That's a big claim, isn't it? It feels like clickbait, doesn't it? It's like, I'm not sure I should click on that. 
But the reality is it's not me making that claim, it's Jesus. And he has a track record of not, of not over-promising and under-delivering. <laughs> he, 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 when he promises something, he delivers. And he's promising us freedom from our money worries. Worry just feels like part of the human condition, doesn't it? It feels like just what we kind of are born with. We're born to worry. How many of us enjoy, enjoy, struggle to enjoy a, a day? You know, you're having a good day, but you struggle to enjoy it because you're worried about a day that's yet to come. Anyone have that problem? <laughs> you struggle to focus on the day you're having. Think, this is a good day, I shouldn't, but your mind is going to the worries of the future. How many of us can't remember a day where you didn't have a single worry all day? You were perfectly at peace. Not even a flitting thought came through. You just had perfect peace in your mind. Anyone had a day like that recently? Oh, those are good days, aren't they? But sometimes they're few and far between. Those days are precious to us, but they're few and far between. Worry is a big deal. It's a huge part of the human condition, and Jesus wants to speak right into it. And the, the, the other reality is that we all have ways of coping with, uh, with anxiety and worry. A lady called Harriet Lerner, she wrote a book called The Dance of Connection, and she explained that basically people fall into two categories uh, when it comes to worry and anxiety. Firstly, there's the over-functioners, and over-functioners just seek to control the whole situation. They micromanage, they get everyone in order, they pull things in. Some would call them controlling, but you wouldn't call yourself that. No, no, no. You're just proactive. You just make things happen. You shift things around. And then there's the under-functioners. And under-functioners, they just stick their head in the sand. They just, just try and ignore it, hope it goes away. They're the one that the family worries about. You know, oh, she's not doing well, is she? If that's you, then you're an under-functioner. <laughs> just hope that it all goes away. Those are the under-functioners. And when you're faced with anxiety, Harriet says you tend to go to one extreme or the other. Just turn to your neighbor and just say, which one do you go to? Do you become an over-functioner or do you become an under-functioner? <laughs> You're not allowed to point at your mother. <laughs> You're not allowed to point at someone. <laughs> who, who's the, who are the over-functioners? Come on, own up. You immediately go. You can command and control. Okay, who are the under-functioners? <laughs> Who's, who's like perfectly in the middle? You know, I just handle anxiety perfectly. No worries. I've got a few. Can I, yeah, no one around you is agreeing to that. But <laughs> So it, in, in this passage that we look at, actually Jesus has got wisdom for all of us. Whichever end of the spectrum we tend to fall on, he has got wisdom for all of us. And he is tackling the big area of anxiety, which is around money. And the, th the reason I think he goes for this one is because if we can get the principles in this area, which is so massive, then actually the principles will apply in every other area of our lives. Solving it, if we can solve our money worries, actually our issues with anxiety and worries massively will get dealt with at the same time. So let's read this together. Matthew chapter 6, this is Jesus speaking. Um, and we just love his words because his words have life. So don't just read these as if they're written, something written in history. These are the words of life from Jesus himself. And this is what he says. No one can serve two masters, for either you'll hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. And that word that he uses for money there uh, means wealth, property, material goods. It covers the whole thing, mammon. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you'll eat or what you'll drink, nor about your body, what you'll put on. Is not your life worth more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor they gather into barns and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? 
And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon, Solomon was one of the greatest kings of Israel, who was the wealthiest man on the planet in his day. Even Solomon, in all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, don't be anxious, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the Gentiles, the Gentiles were non-Jews, the Gentiles seek after all of these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So the main point of this passage is what? Do not be anxious. We know that because Jesus says it five times. That's the main point. Do not be anxious. Do not worry. It's really a helpful aside when you're reading the Bible. Look for the main point. When you're hearing someone speak on a passage, look for, uh, uh, is what they're saying the main point of what that passage? Because so often when we get it wrong, it's when we pick out a sub point that's not really the main point. What's the main point? And Jesus' main point is this. Do not be anxious. And he's going to solve and help us solve the root of our money worries And in so doing, he's going to help us with all of our worries. And there's eight things that he brings out of this. And to be honest, I got so much out of this passage. Even if you get nothing out of it, this is just for me. And you can just remind me of these eight things. It will help me for the rest of my life, okay? (laughs) So much in there. Eight things that will get to the heart of our money worries and solve them if we will let them change our thinking. Firstly is this. You can only worship one thing, worship God. This is what he says. No one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate one and love the other or devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Anxiety about money is firstly what? It's a worship issue. It's a worship issue. And how do we know that? Because Jesus uses a very particular word, devoted. And devoted is a worship word. Devotions. He's devoted to that football team. It's what you value. Money is not primarily a possessions or or a provision issue. It's a worship issue. And Jesus is saying this, money helps you know who you're worshipping. You might think, well, we're here on a Sunday. Surely we're worshipping God. Jesus would say, let me check your bank. (laughs) Let me look at your wallet. Let me check your thinking about money because I'll tell you who you're really worshipping when you tell me and show me how you deal with your money. The gloves are off, aren't they, already? It's like, whoa, he's gone for it. And the word he uses here is you cannot serve, he says, is a super strong word. It actually means it's impossible to serve God and money. And the word he uses, slave, is an incredibly strong word as well. It means complete devotion. You're either going to be devoted to one or you're going to be devoted to another. Here's the point. If we devote ourselves to God and worship him, then what does it do? It it disconnects us from the worship of money and the anxiety that comes from that. This is first off a worship issue. Who are you worshiping? It's like when I, in my 20s, I did loads of climbing. Here's a a picture. Uh, That was not me. Uh, (laughs) In my dreams, that was me. But I did a lot of climbing. And what I learned when I was climbing was this, that very often when you're climbing up a cliff face, there's a point at which you can no longer hold on to your current handhold and reach to the next handhold. You have to commit. You have to let go. And that's a scary thing. And you hope that if you fall, the rope's going to catch you. But there's a point where you have to commit to the next handhold. And Jesus is saying it's like that. You can't cling on to money 
and reach to the handhold of God. You've got to choose one or the other. Who are you going to choose? Worship God. That's right at the root. Hang on to him. He is the rock that is higher than I. He is the one that will withstand everything that else that will fall. Second thing this is this. Jesus asked the question, is the thing that you're worrying about worth more than your life? Therefore, I tell you, he says, don't be anxious about your life, what you eat, what you drink, or about your body, what you put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? He dives into the root of the problem. We all want more. We want more food. We want more whatever. We want more clothing. We want all that stuff. And Jesus says, is it worth more than your life? Because at the end of the day, no one on their deathbed says, I wish I'd drunk more, eaten more, had better clothing. <laughs> I mean, I like steak as much as the next man, unless the next man's a vegetarian, and I like it even more. <laughs> but no one at the, at the end of the day is going to say, I wish I'd had one more steak. Why? Because these things are all secondary to the things that are really, really important. And Jesus is saying, you're ruining your life and that's exactly what it does, isn't it? Because we can't enjoy the day that we're in because we're worrying about the day that's yet to come. You're ruining your life by worrying about things that are secondary. Don't worry. Don't ruin your life. Don't ruin the day that you're in worrying about something that's yet to come because the, 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 thing, the, the thing that's important, the things of value, rarely are achieved and gained are the things that you really are after. <laughs> you're after all these things and they're not adding anything to your life. That's what he's saying. I don't know if you've ever bought anything and you've really wanted that thing and you've thought about it and you've looked it up on the internet and you've read all the reviews and you've looked it up in the magazines and you've thought about it, you've even dreamed about it and then you buy the thing and a few months down the line, you don't even use that thing. You can't even, is, any, is this just me? Is there anyone else? And you feel, when you see the thing, you feel a bit sheepish about the thing because you spent a lot of money on that thing and then you realize all that energy was a waste of my life. <laughs> is, this, is this confession time? <laughs> Should we have an offering? You can all bring all those things. Maybe we could take, give them away and someone else might want that thing. I don't know, but that's true for all of us. And Jesus is saying there's so many things that you focus on and your life is worth more than those things. That's the second thing. Third thing is this. Ask yourself the question, is what I'm worrying about worth more than my life? And 90% of the time, the answer is no. <laughs> Third thing is this, know who God is. Look at this, know who God is, look at this. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? The third thing Jesus says will help solve your money worries is knowing who God is. Notice it's the birds who neither sow nor reap, but he doesn't say their heavenly Father feeds them. He says your heavenly Father feeds them. Your heavenly Father feeds them. He is your Father. And the revelation that He's your Father, He is your Heavenly Father, will do massive damage to the worries that we face around money. You're not on your own. He's not a distant deity. He is your Heavenly Father. He's the one who feeds the birds of the air. And I, I'll tell you this story, although some of you have heard it so many times you feel like you were there. But it's an important story. <laughs> When we were raising money for this building, we were 250,000 pounds short. We realized we had two months to raise it. 
And on Sundays, I was full of faith. God is going to provide. Oh, church, don't worry. But by Mondays, I was like, we are going to go bankrupt. <laughs> I don't know what we're going to do. I might even go to prison. But I managed to rally myself by next Sunday. Let's pray because the Lord will provide. And it was flip-flop one to the next from week to week. And then I was at home one day and my daughter who was four was overhearing me complain to my wife about how desperate it was and how terrible and how we were going to go bankrupt and she stopped me in the corridor and said dad god has not brought us this far to let us down and i was like lord if you're going to rebuke me please don't use a four-year-old it's just humiliating and you use a book or an adult at least but a four-year-old is just embarrassing god has not brought us this far to let us down was what she said i was like okay and then a few days later, I read a story which I'd read so many times before, but I read it with fresh eyes. It's the story of George Muller, the guy who started orphanages in the 18th century in the UK. And uh, he came, do came down in one of his orphanages for breakfast, 300 orphans, no food in the house. He gathers them to pray. They pray. There's a knock at the door. The baker's there saying, God woke me up at 4 a.m. and said, you wouldn't have bread for breakfast. Here's the bread. A few minutes later, the milkman knocks on the door, said, the, the wheelers just come off my cart, and they had these big kind of metal um, uh, vats of milk. He said, I've got to offload them all. It will be spoiled by the time I reload them after I fix the wheel. Do you need any milk for breakfast? And there it was. <laughs> and I'd read that story many times before, but I, I read it in this season of our great need. I read it for the first time. It was as if I'd read it for the first time because I saw what Muller said when he came down the stairs. When he gets down the stairs, he says to his children, Come, children, let's pray. Let's see what the Father will do. And I realized there's a man who's really repented. There's a man whose thinking has changed because he sees a problem as an opportunity for his heavenly Father. If I could react like that in every situation where I face an issue, but think about it. 2023, the problems that you are going to face that you don't even know about, your heavenly Father already has a solution. He's already got a solution. He already knows. The problems that you've got, you're blissfully unaware. And to be honest, he doesn't tell you because you'd worry. <laughs> but you're going to face problems this year. Sorry to tell you the bad news. You're going to face problems this year. But the good news is your Heavenly Father already knows the problems you're going to face. And he knows the solution for those problems. He is your Heavenly Father. <sighs> Come, children, let's pray. Let's see what the Father will do. What difference it will make this year is every time we get that shock. You know, and I know you know the shock, the email, the bad report, the doctor's report, whatever it is, that shock. If you can take a deep breath in that moment and, then, and say, let's see what the Father will do. It will change your year. It will change my year. I'm still working on it 15 years later. <laughs> There's something God is doing in our, in, us, in our midst through this. Fourth thing is this. Know who we are. Look at the birds of the air, he says. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are, they not of more, are you not of more value than they? The fourth solution, the way to solve your money worries, is to know who you are. This is first not a money issue. This is an identity issue. Do you matter to God? That's the, that's the root of it. Do you matter to God? And your answer to that question is all well and good on a Sunday morning when you're worshipping with the saints. But when you face the unexpected bill or the bad news, it's the same question. Do you matter to God? Does he even notice? And the answer, Jesus says, is yes, he does. Look at the birds of the air. 
Anyone here more valuable than a bird? Then if he cares for the birds, he cares for you. This is an identity issue. Is Jesus saying we shouldn't sow, we shouldn't reap? No, the Bible commends sowing and reaping. Is he saying we shouldn't work hard? The Bible commends working hard. But what he's saying is underneath all of those things, it's God who provides the ability for us to work. And so our work must come from faith. That if our work is taken away, we lose our job or whatever, we're like, well, you know, the job has paid my paycheck for 10 years, but really it wasn't the job paying my paycheck. It was God. (laughs) And he is the one who cares for me. And he happened to provide through that work, that employment, and he'll provide a different way. (laughs) He cares for me. Don't be anxious. Why? Because you are valuable to God. Wow. (laughs) If we can get that in our heads... It will change our thinking and it will solve our money worries. Number five, realize that anxiety does not achieve anything. This is what he says, and this one's brutal and short. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Basically, it doesn't work. (laughs) It doesn't work. In fact, how many of us have wasted hours of our lives trying to add a single hour and not achieved it? Anyone? (laughs) We waste so much time. We rob our lives of joy and life by worrying And Jesus says, guys, stop it. It doesn't work. Oh, yeah. It doesn't work. 500 years ago, Michel de Montaigne said this, my life has been filled with terrible misfortune, most of which has never happened. (laughs) My life has been filled with terrible misfortune, most of which has never happened. And you know what? There's even a study now that backs it up. There's been a study, they studied an extent, a group of people over an extended period of time and they told them to write down all of their worries and then to write down if they actually happened. And do you know what the results were? 85% of them never happened. 85% of them never happened. And of the, I think we've got a picture to show you, of the 15% that did happen, guess what? 79% of that 15% were things that they could easily actually overcome much more easily than they thought, or that actually added to something to their lives that actually learned from them. So that leaves just 3% of the things that they were worrying about that actually had any impact whatsoever on their lives. Wow. 93% of the stuff that we worry about in our lives has no significance or actually adds to our lives rather than takes away from it. Worrying doesn't work can can anyone just do you want to just beat yourself over the head and tell yourself that it doesn't work it doesn't work it's faulty it's like you know if you if you if you had a tool that didn't work you would stop using it wouldn't you but we keep picking up the same tool thinking maybe it'll work this time it doesn't work next time we pick up the tool of worry look at it before you start using it and say to it you don't work you don't work and then put it down again And we need to help each other with this because it's something that is a lifelong journey. Number six, focus on God's track record of providing. Why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies, they grow, they neither toil nor spin. Yet even Solomon in his glory was not arrayed or dressed like one of these. If God clothes the grass of the field which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Jesus goes at the same argument again, but he ratchets it up a notch. He says, all right, if you couldn't believe you're more valuable than, words, than, than birds, who's more valuable than grass? Anyone? 
Can I have a witness? Anyone here? More valuable. You're right. You're struggling to believe you're more valuable than birds. What about the grass? If you can believe you're more valuable than grass, then believe this. God has got a track record of providing for grass. <laughs> so next time you're tempted to worry, look out of your window and look at the grass and think that grass was here before I was here and be here after I'm gone and God's provided for it. When we start to think like this, it changes our mindset. God provides for the grass. He has got a track record of providing. But I don't know about you, but when I'm in the situation of panic in that moment, I forget everything that's ever happened in my life before. Anyone else like that? Every time he's provided, every time he's broken through, every time he's helped anybody else, it all goes out of my head and I'm just like, ah, is this just me? We need to learn to stop in that moment and look back. And if you can't think of anything that God's done for you and your mind is just blank, well, then look out your window and look at the grass. <laughs> if that's as good as you can get, then just look at the blimmin' grass. <laughs> because that should be a witness to you that it grew on its own and God waters it and provides for it and you've got more value than the grass. He knows you and he loves you and he's got a track record. And seven is this, he knows what you need. Therefore, don't be anxious saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after, seek after these things. Your heavenly father knows that you need them. It would be a bit of an empty promise if he was a heavenly father, but he didn't know what we needed. A bit like an absent-minded un uncle who's got loads of money, but he's got no clue. <laughs> it would be an empty promise also if he knew what we needed, but didn't really care. Just couldn't be, couldn't be bothered. He knows what we need, but we just can't be bothered. The power of this promise is this. He's both our Heavenly Father and He knows what we need. Put those together, it's potent. He knows what you need and He's your Heavenly Father. He knows. You don't have to worry because you've got a Father who knows what you need. And then the last one is this. Trust that if we seek first God's kingdom, God will take care of the rest. Seek first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. It links back to the first reason. If we devote ourselves to God, then he will take care of the needs that we have around us. And this expands us, because you might have been thinking, well, actually, to be honest, I haven't got that many money worries. I don't really worry about money that much. But think about this. This is bigger than you just caring for you and yours. This is about you having a kingdom mindset to give away to the world around. To give away and to alleviate the poverty and the brokenness around you. This is about you having an expansive, it's about us having a mindset that says, I don't just want to believe God for me, I want to believe God for the people around me. I don't just want to see breakthrough for me and my family. Even people who are not believers do that. I want to see breakthrough for the people around me. I want to have a kingdom mindset. And God's taken me on that journey. You know, I didn't have any money worries until I started to think about kingdom things. In COVID, we thought, oh, we'll probably be okay. But then the Lord said to me, raise 100,000 pounds for those who are really going to be in need in the next three weeks. And I was like, whoa, where did that come from? So I did a quick video, took me about 10 minutes, put it on the internet. And within two weeks, within three weeks, we'd raised 250,000 pounds, and in total, we'd raised 680,000 pounds. Now, that was us doing, God gave me the idea, but we did that together. Why? Because he wants us to be a people who've not just got enough for our needs, but have got enough to give away. We saved people's lives, and they emailed us to say, we would have died had you not given to us in that time. 
So for some of you, this is not just about you. This is bigger than you. For all of us, this is not just about us. This is about bigger than us. This is about, I want to be the type of person who lives with a kingdom mindset, who's able to pay people's mortgages off and give people cars and help people get out of poverty and stand with people in desperate situations. I want to have enough, not just for us, but enough to give away. God, do something in me. So, eight ways to live free from anxiety. One, you can only worship one thing, so worship God. Second, ask the question, is the thing that you're worrying about worth more than your life? Usually the answer is no. Number three, know who God is. He is your heavenly Father. Number four, realize who you are. You are valuable to Him. Number five, realize that anxiety doesn't achieve anything. 85% of the time, it never happens. Number six, trust God's track record of providing. He even provides for grass. Number seven, believe that your heavenly Father knows what you need. And number eight, trust that if you seek God first, God's kingdom, he will provide what we need. Why don't you just turn to your neighbor and say, I didn't get much out of that. I hope you really were. God spoke to you through his word. No, seriously, what stood out to you? What are you going to do differently? What are you going to think differently as a result of today? Just take a moment to do that and then we'll pray. What jumped out to you? What are you going to think differently? What are you going to do differently as a result of reading God's word today?